0: What's up, everybody? You are listening to List It, the show where me and a guest rank and list things in pop culture. And my guest today is a legendary songwriter. He serves as the front man for outfits, including Dashboard Confessional, Further Seems Forever, and Twin Forks. His classic album, Swiss Army Robance, actually turns 21 this month. Uh...
1: Chris Caraba, welcome to list it, man. We did it. We're together in such an odd year, where we could see the horizon, and it's a good time to reflect on songs and things we love.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really think so. It really does kind of feel like culturally things are turning a corner, hopefully. And you, in particular, had a lot of people had a bad twenty twenty, but you, you know, I, I know for a lot of fans who follow you closely you know, had it had this really serious motorcycle accident, but I think that's why it meant so much when you did the, uh, the live stream, the lonely hearts and lovers live stream to see you performing again. How has kind of the recovery been going lately?
1: You know, lately it's been just incredible. And it's, I think it's thanks to having that moment where I could finally play music again. And, and, uh, and not really two people, but you know, four people, um, and, the confidence, confidence, it gave me to finally, you know, c- climb that particular hill. It's as if uh, I opened, um, I opened the floodgates wide. Now it's, now it's, now I'm just kind of in the current as opposed to just fighting, fighting hard. That was a lot of mixed metaphors.
0: No, no, I, I, I get it. I mean, I can't imagine having gone through what, what you have recently gone through, but I think one thing I noticed was it seemed like a real outpouring of support from fans. Uh, what was that like kind of, you know, I know you posted you've posted on Instagram, different things people have sent you from books to artwork to music. What was it like kind of having that outpouring as you were kind of going through, you know, these numerous surgeries and all this really heavy medical stuff? You
1: know what it felt like, Jesse, it felt like um, I was really a member of a special community. You know, it was, mm. it was, it was like, um, it's been important to be ne- never to, never to feel like I was in some vaulted place and separate and apart from my audience in in a, in mm. any way, really. Um, but usually I'm the one doing the giving.
2: Mm.
1: So to have been in such a horrible wreck and been laid up and rehabbing for so, so long, but have this like, consistent, um, outpouring of, of kindness uh, from people I know and and people I don't know and people I can only hope to meet one day was really, uh, to be quite frank, it was really helpful.
0: Yeah. I, You know, I wonder, too, we were just talking offline about, you know, running into each other before show years and years ago. And I'm sure you have you get you probably have those interactions all the time, like people whose lives that you've kind of been able to uh, touch in different ways, even if it's only kind of briefly. Um, but, you know, has there been other points in your career where you've kind of been able to reflect on that impact that you had? Or was this kind of you know, that chance to really, I know it's, I know it's gotta be so difficult because you're dealing with all this stuff physically, but you know, has there been other times in your career where you kind of realized the impact that, that you've had on so many people?
1: Well, I'll say this, Jesse, I'll say I was, you know, cognizant that it was a special thing and unique Mm. um, in the kind of work I do. And I was appreciative of it, Yeah. but I don't think I was aware of the extent of it. This yeah. was, a, I mean, you know, there's a few things that, um, I think, you know, you, you there's some good takeaways from this difficult year that I've had that everybody's had to, and, um, that's, that's a big one for me. The, the understanding that I, that it comes back to you, you know, that it, that you get to receive it too, that it, that it comes back and, um, is be- beautiful. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm looking like kind of reaching no, for a, no, a cooler okay. word, but it really is.
0: Yeah. It, it, and I, I think to you know, it's crazy. It's been 20 years in 21 years since, you know, two of kind of your breakout. I think the first record I actually bought that you were on was the moon is down the, for the further seems forever record. Um, But I was talking to someone the other day about your legacy as like an artist and sort of a cultural figure. I think a lot of people sort of in uh, our generation, you know, a generation that right now is between the ages anywhere from, you know, 25 or younger, 20 to 40, you know, a pretty big window. You know, a lot of people kind of see you as like our Springsteen in a way, because, you know, there are few artists who've been able to articulate the kind of contemporary uh, experience with real, you know, with relationships and kind of navigating even kind of genre wise with, with music, you know, there's been a lot of different exploration, you know, with these two milestones of, of 20 years since these landmark albums came out with, you know, you kind of doing a live performance, you know, have it, has it given you an opportunity ref- to reflect on kind of even just your legacy as like an artist?
1: You know, the 20 year thing is, uh, There's no way around it. You, you end up being reflective over, over things, uh, individual things, big things, small things. And we, you know, when our tour got pulled last year, it was the 20th anniversary tour of of the band itself. Mm. Our first record had come out in, I think October, November of, of 2000. So, um, and then three months later or something like that, maybe four or five months later was the places you've come to fear the most most and, and, that's the one that we're sort of on the cusp in a couple of days of, of yeah. the, or this month is the, the anniversary. But also it's informative once you do, if you don't spend all your time looking back, which I think is a trap, right? Um, it can be really informative to take stock of, of the work you've done in the past every now and again and see if that redirects your path forward. And it mm-hmm. did for me. Um, going out on that, you know, I, firstly, you know, even like just the bare mechanics of like, Uh, learning songs in the exact way that they were 20 years ago, just to be refreshed on them. Because, you know, songs can evolve over time, either subtly or drastically. And, um, you know, you learn a bit about what trip you were on as a writer back then. Mm. And um, that can be really, that can be helpful to understanding, you know, your body of work. But really, it, it can also like, as I started to say, like direct your path forward. I've been really, hopeful that i'd make a record like my first two for a long time um my first two were largely just me and an acoustic guitar and that's how they were written yeah um they were just written me by myself very bare bones exposed you know yeah and you know i recognize as like a professional musician that's what people have wanted especially yeah. back then that's what people wanted for me and i would hope you know i really wanted to deliver that again yeah but understood that it it, it was It had to come from an honest place, totally honest place, or, or it would be a fail kind of a, it just wouldn't succeed. I don't know about a failure, but it just wouldn't succeed in my goal. Yeah. And so I had to wait almost 20 years for this new record I've written to present itself to me in that way. Again, where Mm -hmm. it's like the whole thing is just me and an acoustic guitar, occasionally with some friends, occasionally with a little bit more instrument, um, ornamentation, um, but it was that special that I had to wait 20 years for it to come for that, for the, that mode of expression to come around and be really fruitful again. Mm. And I was lucky because when I did that, I thought to myself, okay, I'll, I probably won't be able to touch this again, like this, this space, this yeah. creative place for a while. But then right on the heels of that, I started investigating like all the songs that I'd written 20 years ago for my 20th anniversary tour, yeah. which got canceled, as everybody knows. And now I feel like it helped me harness that place and I get to mm. stay in it a while longer. So, so I don't know whether the next, the, the record I've made, it feels like it's has a strong relationship to the places you've come to fear the most. Mm. And I think the record I'm going to make might also. And even if it doesn't sonically, I think it will in spirit. So, yeah. so I, I was lucky that I got, I got it, it hammered home. I can't tell you that's a long way to answer. Like I have no idea why people found importance in what I did. Yeah. I just know I, I know I did. Um, and that's, it took me a long time to be able to admit that too. That's something that comes with age and experience. I think you can admit that like you did something special without being cocky, without it being self-sabotaging, you could just say, yes, that was special, especially by comparison to a lot of other work that I did that was maybe successful, but then maybe the way I regard it, maybe not special in the same way, mm. or I hate to say it, but as special. Yeah.
0: Well well Chris I know fans are really excited for for new music and I'm excited about what we're doing today because you know we get to talk about some of the songs that have inspired you some of your favorite songs from the last 10 years and as we kind of go through your 10 selections I'm gonna uh, talk about a couple of songs from your catalog and, and and kind of how they they came about so it should be fun man so let's start with uh, let's start on your list man uh, what, what do you have uh, you know for for uh, the, the first selection as one of the songs in the last 10 years that that really jumped out to you?
1: The first song that I, I chose for, for my list um, is a song uh, called Out of the Blue by Katie Pruitt. Mm. It's, a, it's a, from a recent record. It's, it's from 2020. Okay. Um, and I spent a lot of time with this record while I was laid up in bed. It was one of the, she was one of the last people I saw in concert. Um, she has a voice that is just effortlessly huge. Mm. And she's a really proficient guitar player. She can really draw the emotion out of a, of a guitar. Yeah. Um, and to be able to do that together is special, I think. I remember watching her play and hearing Out of the Blue live for the first time. I'd heard it, but I, hearing it live for the first time. And uh, there's a lyric in the, in the song that says, I, I can't imagine when, I can't imagine why I'd ever want to leave you. Mm. And I remember feeling this sense that like, Not only do I feel that way, you know, emotionally about the, you know, the person I love, but also the, the whole relationship I have with the audience I get to play with. Yeah. It's perfectly more than enough in a really beautiful way. And that's what I feel like when I hear her sing that the best lyrics to me. And I, I think there's probably a through line to all the songs that we'll probably talk that we are going to talk about today is that there's always a line that I wish I had written Hmm. because I feel like I, I never could write something that great and succinct and beautiful and powerful. And that's the line in that song.
0: You know, that that sort of emotional vulnerability that, you know, that is encapsulated in that line. Um, you know, is something that, you know, we've seen from you since the beginning, you know, all the way back from screaming infidelities, which is, you know, it, it really is this degree of vulnerability that kind of I feel like set the stage for a lot of for people's expectations of you kind of tapping into something that, you know, fans listening might not be able to articulate. You know, when you were kind of writing, you know, another, you know, your uh, screaming infidelities, a song that you deal with, like kind of a lot of emotional vulnerability and transparency, you know, did you ever wrestle like, what is it like writing, you know, whether it's someone like a song like Katie Pruitt or like screaming infidelities that is willing to kind of leave some emotional stakes on the table? Uh, you know, was that ever a struggle for you or was it just, was it freeing in a way to be able to articulate that?
1: I found it incredibly freeing now that it's, it's trouble to then do it on in front of people
2: yeah.
1: or know that people will hear what you've had to say mm. and that you've exposed yourself that nakedly, but to actually do it absolutely feels like freedom.
2: Mm.
1: And it's, it's interesting when I think back to that, that time when I was writing the first and earliest dashboard songs among them with screaming infidelities, I, um, I really remember clearly that I found a lot of the songs I liked had an emotional intensity, but sort of spoke about things in a real generalized, broad strokes way. Mm. And I remember making a decision early on to try to try to write a few songs where I explored the minutiae, the small details that come along with those heavy feelings, yeah. good or bad. I think I did it well in "Screaming Fidelities." I think yeah. well enough that that it became a great invitation to people to to listen to more of my music. Yeah, and a absolutely. successful one at that. So uh, I remember where I was when I wrote that song. I remember what the weather was like. I remember the time of night it was, and and um, remember thinking, you know, don't, there's only ten people who will ever hear this because i I know exactly who I'm going to play it for, and that's yeah. probably who all who all will ever hear it. But I think think they'll get it yeah and it was the beginning of understanding the universality of, of lyrical impact well
3: as for now i'm gonna hear-
0: Obviously, the, the song has I- endeared and, and aged really really well. Um, all right, so out of the blue, uh, Katie Pruitt, what, what's what's next up on your list?
1: So this is another recent song, uh, another one from 2020. Um, the band is called Another Michael, and okay. the song is called New Music. Okay. And there's just there's there's too much for me. I get like I'm getting a actual literal literal chills just thinking about oh wow this perfect song perfect song yeah
0: yeah break down T- tell me tell me about the artist a little tell me about okay. another michael i'll
1: tell you a little bit this is i know very little about the artist for a while when i discover an artist i like to know very little about the yeah. artist yeah i like to know a lot about the art and a l- very little about the artist and, the, and then eventually knowing eventually i will know a lot about the artist yeah based on the fact that that is part of my music fandom is is kind of like Get kind of a, di- diving, in, doing a deep dive into yeah. the details, how they came to be, and what might be next. And another Michael is this: the, the singer has a range that's very rare—a really, really big falsetto uh, head voice, high voice that it, that isn't so loud, and it's it, uh, it's it manages to be inviting at the same time.
2: Mm.
1: And sometimes I'm guilty of this when I sing high. I sing loud, yeah. and I understand that there's a certain amount of pushing away that that does. And for me, for me, I think that is a function of two things: my last bit of, of being guarded, hmm. holding on to that as I express myself in a really unguarded manner. And then the other part is, I'm not as good a singer as this guy. Um, <laughs> this is facts. This is facts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but what I uh, you know how great songs can transport you to places, times, experiences. Yeah. And then also like maybe you well up with the same connection, the feeling of like your 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 actual friendships. Yeah, I get yeah. that from this song. I, I can think of three friends that I have a, a really special friendship with. It's the kind where we trust each other enough that we're sharing music first, either music we write or music we love. And, you know, the, I mean, I think it sums up maybe where this song is going when, when he, the song starts off where he says, we stayed up too late talking mm. about new music
2: mm.
1: and you sent me a link to a song that I'd never heard. I mean, that's that you want to talk about like it was we were discussing with my music about these small things and these small moments that that are impactful yet uh relatively unexplored yeah maybe in, in poetry and music yeah that's one of them
3: i was thinking about new England and all the things that i love to say i was hoping to have my voice match up to the singers in every state i am thinking
0: Yeah, it it's so interesting that you say that, you know, these little moments that just remind you, you know, with with uh, another Michael the, the new music song because, you know, immediately I start thinking of a, a lyric of yours, you know, uh you know the, the the gate was locked and when you jumped it like in hands down and it's painting this picture and it's like I I know what that's like. I know what it's like to kind of have that you know, sort of suburban-y kind of experience where you are jumping fences and there is sort of these liaisons and this like energy of summer, you know, like particularly yeah. when I listen to that song, I remember summer and, and sort of that, you know, excitement that's in the air and those relationship all by that, that single
1: line of like a little bit the of fence. danger, that little yeah. bit of danger in youth. You know, I remember, uh, this isn't like directly related to hands down or anything like that, but I remember pool hopping, you know, we would like go, me and my friends or with like maybe a girl you were interested in and you're like running through backyards of strangers and jumping fences and going in their pools. And it's like awful behavior, but, but kind of glorious and really like not you're, you're still young enough where like that's super edgy yeah yeah. Um, and 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 you had this feeling back then of uh i don't know i can only relate it to like the goonies or something or the the outsiders and the goonies like perfectly encapsulate that feeling of uh of adventure and misadventure yeah rolled into one um
0: And it is too, you know, it's like that, even the line, uh, hands down, this is the best day I can ever remember. It's like when you're young and you experience those days, it's like, it doesn't get any better. Like this day of, jump in fences and this little bit of danger this is you know it's it's just funny the the parallels that you can draw with you know an, a, you know that another michael song how one lyric triggers all these things and one of your songs triggers all these things it's it's an impressive feat as a songwriter uh to be able to do that to be able to use imagery and unlock a lot of feelings emotions and experiences uh,
1: so that was thematically in line with screaming at least in the idea that i thought like could i explore the details Mm. A little more fully than maybe I had in bands previous,
2: yeah.
1: And so I remember as I was writing hands down, like, could there, is there, are there more details? Are there Mm. more details? And I just kept shoving them into the song. Um, I don't know if I did it artfully or not, but I guess it's got legs, so maybe I, I maybe I lucked into that. When we- Guess you know, if you if you on 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 your end of the song can feel an experience, I think I've gotten I've boy is that a success. Because I just poured so much of an experience into that. By the way, writing the song was an experience too, that I could write songs about. And playing it in front of people for the first time was a song that I could is a song that I could that I could write, that I could just, you know, harness all these super details in. So uh I would later discover that you, that art begets art
2: Mm.
1: and experience begets, uh, really, really investigating the details of an experience kind of allows you to experience the next one more fully and more patiently. Yeah. Uh, You know, when you're young and you're like rushing to the next experience, like, like bullheaded and it's great, you know, and then at some point in your life, you kind of like, I think you either go one of two ways. You either like just, you just get callous and don't just don't kind of give a shit anymore Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or you savor, savor the things that come. And I, and I feel lucky that maybe because of music, um, that's, that's what I uh, have experienced.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think that intentionality and in being present is, is really uh, evident, not just in your songs, but in your live shows, which I, I want to talk about. But let's go to your third one. Let's go to your third selection. We'll, 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 we'll break down some more of, of
1: your catalog. Yeah. So this is another relatively new song Okay, uh, from, from 2019. And this has been a big one for me in the last year. The song is by You uh, and it's called Sunlight. Mm. and i think like you know we talk I, i'll probably talk about opening lines of songs probably more than than this time i think i did with another michael
2: yeah
1: uh on new music and uh certainly you know on sunlight it's like that something about the first line of a song i know people put a lot of stock in a chorus but if a song for me doesn't have me in the first line it's probably never going to happen mm. and in sunlight the lyrics are, you hold my hand and tell me it's fine. It's getting rough, but we're still alive.
2: Mm.
1: And to set the stage for this, I didn't hear this song when it came out. I heard it about nine months ago uh, as I was laying in a hospital bed. And then kept on hearing it as I laid in a bed for about 20 hours a day, maybe 20, 23 hours a day for the next two or three months. And my wife would just hold my hand and -hmm. she would say with a, in the least reductive way, she'd say in this like very powerful way, everything's gonna be all right. And clearly everything was not gonna be all right anytime soon. Yeah. But to be able to have my hand in hers and be so fully reassured when I was so far from from fine. Yeah. It's, it was uh, instrumental in getting me through those, those very difficult four, four, five, six months mm. before I was able to get out of bed and, and function. Yeah. It's a long time to be, it's a long time. It's a long time. And she got me through it. And I listened to that song a lot and just knew what it felt like. Yeah. You know, I knew very much how it felt like to just have your hand held when things are okay, and know that that person loves you. Yeah. And then also when you like are deep in the deep end of a, of a of a hard place, yeah. Just knowing somebody loves you that much,
2: yeah,
1: is a priceless thing.
0: That, that is so powerful and, and the way that that line encapsulates that is is really beautiful and you know one of the the songs you know as you were talking that kind of reminded me of is um you know from from your from your catalog is heartbeats here um or heartbeat here because it's really a song about healing it well at least my interpretation i you know obviously i'm I'm a listener but it you know that The way I interpreted that song, the first time I heard it, it was one of those songs that it had that same kind of thing. I just needed to hear that, where there's a place where you can surround yourself with people that, you know, you can sleep for a thousand years. You can heal. You can bask in other people's um, affection for you. And that's what so is, is, is healing. You know, is there... You know, that song in particular obviously was written years before the experience that you, that you had. But I wonder, as you were kind of going through that experience and your wife was there by your side, if you even reflected on, on that song of your own, because it does seem thematically to have some of you know, discuss some of the things that, that you articulated.
1: You know, Jesse, I, I don't think that I reflected on the song directly, but the song is written about. It's a, it's a song about how I feel about my wife and my Mm. absolute confidence in her and an astonishment at her, her, her successes in life as a human being, as a business person, as a wife, as a friend and her adventure and, you know, her, her adventurism, her, her, her streak towards adventure. Um, And her Willingness to Charge at life Mm. Um, And The thing that I think I can Give her that would probably be most valuable And I think this is what I was trying to say in the song Is I will stand behind you And I will stand beside you Not so that you can do it So that I can marvel at it
3: Mm. I feel it in my Feeling in my soul The pulse just grows So loud and so clear Let your heart beat here Let your heart beat here
0: It's so powerful that you've been able to articulate those things, but also kind of let other people share them because, you know, that isn't something a lot of people could do. And I think a lot of people, you know, as listeners benefit from that and, and it's a really powerful thing. Uh, all right, Chris. So, uh, we have, uh, sunlight on number three, what's next on your list?
1: Number four is, um, gang of youths. Oh yeah, um, the heart is a muscle, which is the ra- a rarity in songs where it is, absolutely romantic Mm -hmm. in some sense it's also strangely self-affirming like i i feel like i can do anything when i hear that song yeah and he has a line in the song that says you know um dave says uh you know the the heart is muscle i'm gonna make it strong
2: Mm. you know
1: i'm i'm in i'm going to i'm getting behind this whole thing also, it's something I'm going to share with you, and and the the, the rollicking nature of the song, the deep musicality in the song. There, there, I think that they rank up there with like I think Gang of Youth's and 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 Dawes and uh, maybe a handful of other others are are the preeminent band, the preeminent players mm. of this generation of music. I, they, they, they have so much prowess as musicians but there's nothing showy in there. Uh, i shouldn't say that there's plenty showy but showy is not the endeavor yeah they're not trying to show off they just are that good yeah and uh and the song washes over you and i think that's they so that puts them in this this rare place where they their lyrics they're like they are true poets a a band that the masses can just understand is incredibly good but also you've heard the term of course a band's band yeah they're a band's band i mean like if you play music and you listen to them you are you you're in a master class
2: yeah
1: so it's rare when it's like a band is like presenting a master class for the gearheads and presenting just a beautiful moment for the non-gearheads that's special
0: So that's another interesting thing you mentioned, because, uh, you know, my first introduction, I think a lot of people's early introduction for you was, uh, you know, with Further seems Forever, which was an extreme, if the moon is down, is an extremely technical album, you know, even kind of going back and listening, the guitar work, the, you know, the, the, the way, you know, the drumming kind of syncs up with everything. And then, you know, the first stuff with Dashboard was stripped down, but slowly over time, more musicianship more complexity more kind of sonic diversity started entering the mix and a lot of people i think kind of came to that same revelation is obviously uh dashboard is really good when it's stripped down but man these guys can play and when you listen to you know what so like let's take a song like uh again i got unnoticed where first released you know first people's kind of interaction with it is something where it's it's you and a guitar Then they hear this other version with this really kind of mind-blowing, you know, drumming. And then as you release more and more music, you know, you kind of get to see how good you and your band are as musicians. When did, why did you want to kind of reintroduce those elements kind of throughout the years?
1: It's a good question. When did I want to re, probably always. Hmm. Well, no, that's not true. That's, that's an incomplete answer. When I started Dashboard, I was still in for them. So when I had these ideas, you know, and, and frankly, further was the main pursuit.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I got to play in guys in further seems forever. Are shockingly good musicians. So, so, so very good. And I learned so much of my ability to play music. Well, comes from being in that, being in those early bands. I was in the, the my play, my, my bandmates in the vacant Andes. And, and then my bandmates in further seems forever. Those, those guys shaped me. As in terms of not just in terms of uh, actual musical prowess, but also taste, they really shaped my taste as well. Mm. But when I started Dashboard, it was a little bit in. No, uh, I don't know what how to say this. It wasn't in opposition. I had I was still in further. And further was so complex. It was really almost like cerebrally tax- taxing. Yeah, it was. It was it it was took a lot of thinking to write those parts yeah. and to write. And if I didn't write the parts and I was just reacting to parts and, and writing lyrics around those, I mean, it was, it was all, I've heard other friends re- refer to it as high minded. And so the complexities were attractive. I loved it. Mm. Um, but by contrast, I wanted to do something that couldn't be more stripped down. I mean, yeah. didn't even have a drummer. Yeah. Didn't even have an amplifier. It's just an acoustic guitar. And you pick, you know, so that so like the obvious place to go with that is some kind of like maybe some cool James Taylor thing or some, or even just Tom, you know or, or even a cool Tom Petty thing, but I wanted all the nakedness, mm. all the lack of affectation, which in itself is an affectation, but I I also didn't want to like sacrifice the things I loved about those such as the beat those bands such as drums are incredible. Period. They're just a great thing for a song. And I, my favorite part of most bands is their drummer. So I, you know, devised a method of using an open tuning to replicate what a bass guitar might sound like within a song because it would, the guitar would be much lower than it was normally tuned to. And, and my right hand would try to emulate specifically, and again, I go and notice like the gallop, galloping kick and tom part that I would expect. I would have somebody play if I were showing it to a drummer. Well, I was yeah. trying to do it all myself with with within the confines of a, some strict limitations. And um, but interestingly was would later get to put those things into the songs. Some of the songs, like again, I go and notice would have drums and bass on them, and and my piece of it still worked. Yeah. So so it gave a there was a uniqueness that I stumbled on. Really, I didn't. I didn't really. Um, planned for that bit and it wasn't by um some strategy that succeeded it was just like oh wow this actually works within this within this new arrangement the old thing still works the original thing still works i wonder how far i could take this so
3: quiet another way I break out of touch, out of time.
1: The reason it came to pass that a band even existed within Dashboard was that further The Forever broke up. And I thought to myself when they broke up, I'll just do this, you know, Dashboard, this record I've done, and now I'll go home and I'll figure out, you know, who, who I'll start a band with. Yeah, But I, I'd realized a little bit into that process that maybe I'd, I'd stumbled onto a special thing worth investing energy into. Yeah. And, and care and commitment. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. But then we were able to explore the things that I might have just explored with further and kept them kind of bifurcated. But, but I was happy. I'm happy that I've, I'm happy about two things. I'm happy that I was able to pull those two worlds together, having discovered one in absence of the other. And I'm happy that I can go back as often as I choose to, to just an acoustic guitar
0: it is such a cool dynamic and it's been fun to see the evolution and different elements kind of be introduced at different times. You know I'm thinking about? You know, a song like fever dreams where it, it has that kind of electronic, uh, kind of beat. It's really been cool to see the evolution. All right, Chris, we got gangs of youth at number four. What do you got at
1: number five, man? Oh man. Mercury. Okay. By Rustin, Rustin Kelly, Rustin Kelly. This, the album is from like 2017, I think 18. It's a, the album's called Dying Star. The whole record is brilliant. And um, this list would be incomplete hmm. without several of his songs, but I figured I could only yeah. put one. And so, uh, what I love about Rustin is that uh, if you listen to music from the era we're talking about when we talk about Dashboard, from like anywhere from like the post hardcore scene through the emo scene through the pop punk scene, there's this great through line of uh, unabashed. Energy. I don't really know what another word to say because that's the only thing that kind of straddles all those things post hardcore, hardcore, pop punk. It isn't laconic, it is like this intensity. But he plays singer songwriter based alternative country Americana. He's kind of indefinable. That's why I'm kind of spreading such a wide net. And of course, he himself coined the phrase dirt emo for what he does. And it's a very, you know, I would suspect, I guess, Southern version of what Emo is. And this guy's a lyrical powerhouse. His voice is rich, so rich and warm. Uh, it blends so incredibly well uh, with other voices. Uh, you know, when he go see his band, and you want to talk about a band's band that knocks you out. I mean, their players are incredible. Mm. And the band also includes oftentimes his... his his father on on pedal steel and steel, and slide guitar, and um, and his sister Abby, who plays with Dashboard from time to time. Oh, I met through Rustin. So it's just kind of incredible to see this uh, like genera- generational musicality that's steeped in a very very old tradition, and then funneled through a fucking punk rocker. Yeah, it's it's really unique and special. And you know what's interesting, most interesting about Rustin, I think, is that you don't have to like any of those kinds of music that i just mentioned to like his music i think he's headed for the kind of success where his name is is up there with like with the willie nelson's and the and the bob dylan's even Mm -hmm. and the Springsteens. i think he's he's already doing that quality work and uh i think he's only getting better it's insane
3: I'm a snake in the woodpile, I'm an unraveled flag I'm a burned-down house, I'm a thing you'll never get back But I swear to God you could I'm a dying star in your junkyard heart And I'm some kid puking outside of some bar Or maybe I'm just crazy Right me. you mean stars in oh, in
0: well, it, it's cool as you're describing it. I was kind of thinking about that sort of. It's almost like this outlaw type of energy that if you were to go to like a festival back in the day, whether it was, uh, you know. Uh, Uh, you know, like a cornerstone or, you know, any of kind of like the, the, those shows like we were talking about before the interview got started, it's sort of like, yeah, these outlaw, it's like this outlaw type of energy where it's just like, Hey man, everyone's just doing what we do, you know? And it really seems to like date back, like you said, to the Willie Nelson's, the Johnny Cashes, the, we're going to do things (laughs) our way. Yeah. You know,
1: you, you know, we probably would have laughed back then if people had compared us, our mentality our approach in our scene to to Willie Nelson or or Johnny Cash, but they'd have been right. And as we got older, we understood the power. Like I think most of us, frankly, a lot of the songwriters I knew in that scene did come up listening to Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash, but then kind of shrugging that off when they found hardcore and punk rock and all that stuff and and thinking it wasn't informative any more when it when it really truly was. Yeah. And uh, you know, you talk about like Brian Fallon or somebody like that, who is like a hero of the punk rock world, but it's so clearly to me in the vein of those heavy hitters. Yeah. And it's incredible. Cause you know, like the reason he's in that vein and they are in that vein, Rustin's in there with them. And, and uh, I can think of others from our scene too, is because they are like intensely good. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, it's not about um, the trappings. And this can be helpful. Like the trappings of your scene can make you, you know, a big superstar or something like that yeah and they they seem to like to look at that as a secondary thing
0: yeah and you know i but i kind of see that genre blending energy throughout your catalog as well like so like if you look at like after the ending it opens with get me right which is you know really kind of this punk rock type of uh, approach to to a song and that energy, that punk rock energy, has always been there. You know, sometimes it might be more subdued when the when the song is right, but I feel like that's something you've been able to kind of capture throughout your career. And partly as what made your music so endearing is it's not it's never seen overly concerned with genre. It's never seen overly concerned with you know any specific sort of agenda. It just seems like honesty and the
2: expressions. I, of I
1: it. could get. It's interesting. I could like I can tell you that I. I could give a fuck about genre yeah, and I'd be telling you the truth. But I could also tell you that I'm incredibly, incredibly like proud of the genre I'm in. Yeah. And that'd be true too. So the thing was for me anyway, it was about paying deference to where it come from and appreciating where I was going to be going Mm. without feeling like one directed the other. Yeah, And it's, you know, it's, you know, you and I talk, and, you know, we know each other's history and we know how far back we go and what kinds of bands we were seeing in, in um, you know, BFW halls and yeah. all ages clubs and things like that. And knowing that, that yeah, we're from a, in a tradition of, of a certain thing, a counterculture, but it's a tradition. I think other, some people that listen to me don't know it. They don't know it. And they just think that I sprung out of nowhere or i've always been somewhere in pop culture yeah. where, whereas i think of what i do as the antithesis to that i've not chased it i'm not interested in it i'll take it when it happens but it's mostly because that road sort of veers into my lane yeah and then veers quickly out of it usually i have an intense pride of the scene i'm from
0: I I want to dig into that a little. I know we want to get through the back half of your, of, of, of your list and we can move that through pretty quickly, but you brought up something that I, I feel like I do want to ask you about there because, you know, there probably are, you know, different types of fans of your work, people who, you know, kind of were knew the scene back in the day and were following every band and every artist. And then there was a moment where, you know, you really kind of blew up where you had this what has become a very iconic uh, MTV uh, Unplugged special where, you know, it was this, I think you could, honestly, it's you and Nirvana are are probably two of the most memorable when people think of MTV Unplugged performances. These really kind of cultural iconic moments. You had a song that was spe- featured in a Spider-Man movie at the, you know, really at the 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 time when superhero movies, you know, that really set the stage for what we're seeing now. And there's probably some of the audience that you have now was introduced to you back then. You know, times have changed, things have evolved in media where uh, there isn't the the same sort of conflict that sometimes were artists. You know, were faced with back in the day when it was like, oh, do I want to be on MTV? Do I want to be on the radio? Do I want to have you know my music used in this way or that way? I don't feel like that's so much as an artistic concern as it was back in the day. But when you were kind of navigating that point in your career did you have any of those concerns of like hey if if people are introduced to me like this they might not know kind of if they don't know the story is
1: it going kind to of have the same impact yeah and i think it i yes and i think it was instructive helpful it succeeded but it also held me back from maybe some broader success that i would see some of my peers get that didn't feel that same need to to draw a line um but you know it really you know it was important to me but it was important to me for reasons beyond like i think to some people and sometimes i was guilty of this i didn't want to get called on it i didn't want to be a sellout you know that's stupid word um i did but i didn't want to be one but i think that that's also based I didn't want to backlash, you know, like that was I was aware of that because I held the thought this thing was really precious. And I didn't want to like sink it by trying to make it more successful than yeah. it could sustain. But you know, like for someone like me, I use some shameless name-dropping here. To think that I'm sitting here now and I'm I'm friends with like the 1975 and I'm friends with Casey Musgraves. And I can, you know, it's name a couple, right? And I can think, well, I'm kind of in awe that I get to be friends with these really talented, talented people. But I'm equally in, in awe that I'm friends with, like, Dickie Barrett and to- Toby Morris and Stephan Egerton and Jay Robbins and these folks that, like, for me, I mean, inarguably, the 1975 and Casey Musgraves are, by comparison, much more successful than those, the bands those guys are in. But not... To this thing, not to yeah. my beating heart. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I was to so, say it
0: depends on how you measure success, you know?
1: So that's what it is. It depends on how you measure success. And that took me a long time to come around. Like that I could have my own unique way to measure success and it was okay to limit things I would do beyond that. And it was be okay also to try to succeed. Yeah. At that understanding that it's okay to try to succeed. That was a big learning moment for me. However, that 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 thing that happens a lot of the time where what you actually want is just the success. Not interested in that myself. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, it's been so interesting, too, because there's been, you know, artists that I think have had different levels of success really get to see their influences as some kind of younger pop stars. You know, you can see... You're, I mean, I don't think this, this would be a, a controversial thing to say, but it's, you know, the biggest pop star in the world right now cites you as one of her, you know, Taylor Swift cites you as one of her influences. And you can hear signatures of, you know, of your kind of music of, you know, I know like Jack Antonoff has been involved in some of the production. You can hear her roots of, you know, she's like a Jimmy world fan of, you know, of, of a a very specific time and genre that's now is shaping all of pop music in, in a really interesting way. So it's like, there's lots of different measures of success, but if you look at just virtue of influencing culture, the, the legs that your music and and a lot of your peers, uh, you know, the legs that that music has had is, is really unbelievable when you look at the impact that some of the artists who grew up learning to write songs, listening to you are having now.
1: It's that's a little, still a little shocking. Yeah. to me, I've not fully got my head around that, yeah. and it's um, and I'm proud of it. I'm surpri- I, I'm happy that I can sit here with you, Jesse, and say I'm actually proud of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it is. It, it's something to be proud of, man. It really is. Well, Chris, I want to respect your time, so what, why don't we do kind of lightning round with your with your final five? Okay,
1: banger. Okay, um, Strand of Oaks, Goshen, ninety seven. Uh. Uh, it's about like. Like smoking in a bedroom and learning how to use a four-track and recording your own songs and the spirit of adventure of like discovering music with the feeling of that band that might have been in that room kind of blasting at you in the stereo. It's incredible. Buying Casio's with my friend. Then I- I mean, it's it like as good as like collar, any right. Dinosaur Jr. riff oh, that you've yeah. ever heard. It is, it is instantly timeless. Yeah, it's well, incredible.
0: Yeah, great, great pick. Okay, Strand of Oaks, uh, uh, number six.
1: Okay, Pup uh, off the Dream is over. Um, sleep in the heat, which okay. you know, Pup is as punk rock as I think it gets right now. Um, non-conventional, non-compromising, and. Lyrics that will make you feel something deeply that you later find out are about the guys like Iguana. Hmm. So uh, the, uh, the ability to speak with such deep emotion, and he's speaking about not to be laughing it off because that's so important, but he's speaking yeah. about his Iguana when I thought he was speaking about the love of his life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that goes to show how good a songwriter is if he can make you care Absolutely that much about it, an, an Iguana. Absolutely.
1: Incredible right. live bands, too. Um, in the vein of like, like the new era of bands in the last five, 10 years that, that really it's not the post grunge thing. It's yeah. really taking the mantle mantle from Nirvana and going like, I specifically, this band want to, I'm finding something in th- what, what could have come later from mm-hmm. this band. And I think drug Church does that incredibly well, especially on, uh, but does it work? What a powerful song. Does and if you works. like Nirvana, you will love, love this song. If you, if you, If you stumble on this song, you will love this song. It's just a knockout punch of
3: the song.
1: A, a a t-shirt i i wear but feel weird wearing walking around like downtown uh Nashville but it's all right. <laughs> I'm sure I'm they've kid. seen
0: weirder. You you get a little cred if you wear a drug church uh shirt in in downtown Nashville. All right, uh yeah. home stretch. we got we got two more Chris. What what do you got for us?
1: Okay, okay. My homie Evan from into it over it put okay. out a song uh last year uh We prefer outdoors. And he's already in my opinion like one of the top three like crazy guitar riff masters from our scene and this one like without it being any without it being fluffy in any way is the is the most like hooky straight up guitar and vocal melody combination that you that i think was put out in years in years and years
0: How hard is it, and before we get to the final song, how hard is it to to get that good hook in there when there's so many, when there's intricate guitar work, there's a lot of energy, how hard is it to really nail that hook in a song like that?
1: I mean, it's like lightning in a bottle. Mm. So for me, I don't even like try. It just happens. I mean, Mm. I'm always trying. Yeah. But like, I can't do like, well, I got everything but the hook. I got everything yeah. but the guitar riff. I just abandon that. It either if it doesn't happen, that's not going to be part of that song. Yeah, I think it's impossible. I think it's nearly impossible. And the fact that he does it with like all the time is inspiring and infuriating. <laughs> infuri- <Yeah. to laughs>
0: yeah. All right, Chris. Final final selection. What do you got for us, man?
1: Hey, man, you cannot have a best of songs record by a guy like me without having Dawes in it. I mean, that song yes. without question is all your favorite bands off all your favorite bands, mm. all your favorite bands, you know, for guys like me, to you that just live and die for music to, to have a wish. Like, if you want to say like, Hey man, I hope all your dreams come true. Like a better way to say that if like you believe this deeply about music, like you and I do, may all your favorite bands stay together. Yeah. <laughs> well, what more could you want somebody to say to you? Yeah. If you're a guy Like me. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Dawes. Yeah. And Dawes, you know, unbelievable artist. And, and but that sentiment, too, it's there's something when, when, when one of your favorite bands breaks up, if you feels like a part of you not to be overly melodramatic, but a part of you kind of dies a little in that or a part of you grows
1: up really fast, you know? Yeah, grows up really fast. I'm so glad you said that. Cause that's what it feels like. It's like this stupid thing, but it's like a loss of innocence on yeah, some level. Yeah. It, yeah. Loss yeah. of faith. It's a really up f- thing. If you're live and die for, for music, when, when the people you just believe in have like shaped your way of thinking and your heart and your feelings and your like, goals and, and they've broken up, it's hard to fathom. Yeah. How could they do that to me? Yeah. Like, who the hell am I? They're not doing anything to me, but that's how it feels.
0: Yeah, but but on the other side of the coin is when you go to a live show and that you experience that live, that energy again. It's it's a little touch of the fountain of youth. Like if one side is growing up fast, the other one is, oh, dude, I remember what it's like being this young and hungry and just into you know just passionate, and it, it helps you kind of retap that. Music has that kind of power.
1: You're so right, and like you know, you often hear people say that i don't know if that you often i often hear people say like you know with me and my friends like you know what's how come you guys are all seem so young it's the the music is the the fountain of youth yeah not just for like how we feel physically which i think playing music has kept us young feeling young but that that willingness to to keep your heart open um that's unusual as you get older but that that for, for me and you, for the people that listen to my, the music out of my scene, not my music, solely the music from our scene, from our little corner of the music world, we get to stay, we get to grow up and have rich, rich lives and mature, but we get to stay young this, at the same time yeah. because of music. Yeah
0: it's so true man well chris dude this was so much fun it was so much fun hearing some of your favorite songs but also uh having you kind of indulge some of my questions about uh your career your music and and when can we i, I if we need to keep it on the dl we totally can but when can we expect uh, uh new
1: stuff well how about when touring comes back i'll try to do it then deal sounds good man. all right
0: well hey i'm really glad you're 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 feeling better man playing live again and i appreciate you coming on Listed. this is a blast chris
1: Thanks, Jesse.
0: All right, everybody, that's it for Listed and Ironclad Original. Hey, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review. It really helps new people discover the show. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week.